Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. We're about to go into a message that I delivered recently, and I hope that it encourages you, it inspires you, and it launches you further in your walk with Jesus. That's my heart for you as you listen. If it does encourage you, why not share it with someone who you think could do with hearing it as well? And subscribe so that you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. For now, sit back, enjoy, and I hope that you get blessed. Here we are, mid-October, praise the Lord. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Um, it's mid-October, crazy. It's the midst of award nights and graduations and Christmas rehearsals and Christmas parties and all sorts of things. But in the midst of that, we're talking about the ripple effect of small decisions, that every decision we make has a ripple effect and it goes on and on and on. Every decision, not one decision is a standalone decision. Every single decision we make has an effect and it ripples out beyond that decision itself. And so the title of my message tonight is Your Attitude Determines Your Action. Your attitude determines your action. I was considering whether to call it that or your perspective determines your purpose. It's kind of the same thing, so you can pick either one. But before we get into it, I want to read you a praise report that came in from one of our church members. Just this morning, the email came in. One of our precious, precious members here in our church family. She says, as a first-generation Christian... I've been praying for my family's salvation. She's the only Christian in her family. Particularly my brother who struggled with addictions and paid a heavy price for it and he lives in another city. A couple of weeks ago, he told me that he had met a church pastor at the local train station and the pastor prayed with him. They then exchanged phone numbers and since then have been catching up regularly he even had dinner at the pastor's home. I recently received a text from my brother saying, I had dinner with some guys from church last night and it really opened up my eyes to a few things that gave me a good understanding of what it means to have faith. She writes, this is the body of Christ. I know my prayers for my family's salvations are being answered through simple faith and obedience of one man who saw one night in a train station. And his small acts of kindness with a shared meal or a text message are showing a love to my, bre- my brother without agenda or conditions. I thank God for revival in my family and a generation that will know freedom in Jesus' name. Your attitude determines your action. Your perspective determines your purpose. Whatever your attitude is will determine what you do every day. Whatever your perspective is will determine what purpose you carry into every conversation, every train station. Your perspective determines your purpose. And so there's this concept in the Bible that we call the great suggestion. It's actually not called that. It's called the Great Commission. But most Christians live as though it's the Great Suggestion for personal convenience. 
But the Great Commission is really the story of us as Jesus' followers, making disciples. Matthew 28, just before Jesus, he's died, he's been resurrected, and he's about to ascend into heaven. And all of his followers are standing around. And he says these words in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Jesus' great commission to every single one of us as his followers. So how important is this commission? An unknown author, we don't know who said this, but it's quite amazing. He said, or she, the world has been more effective at evangelizing the church than the church has been at evangelizing the world. Because we may be living as though it's a great suggestion. How important is the Great Commission? Because your attitude will determine your action. Your perspective will determine your purpose. How important is this Great Commission? And actually, my anchor scripture for tonight is Matthew 9. Matthew 9, when Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful. Cam, could I please have some water? The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The question is not whether the world is ready. The question is what is our perspective and what is our attitude towards the harvest? We need eyes to see, a heart to feel, and hands to help. Number one, eyes to see. Eyes to see that the harvest is plentiful. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said that the harvest was ripe. Thank you. Let's give it up for Cam. Let's give it up for first-time parents and sleep deprivation. Let's give it up for walking on your feet with your eyes open, but you're actually asleep. <laughs> ah, praise the Lord. Eyes to see. Do you have eyes to see? Do you have eyes to see? Eyes to see the guy in the train station. Do you have eyes to see that the harvest is plentiful? 2,000 years ago, Jesus declared that the harvest was ready. He said it was ripe, white, great, ready for harvest. It is still ripe. He said in John 4, 
Do you not say that there are still four months and then the harvest will come? That's the way we speak. Jesus is saying, don't you say, you know, there's still time. But behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white unto harvest. Lift up your eyes, church. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look beyond self and see the harvest is ripe. It was ripe 2,000 years ago. It's ripe today. We need to lift up our eyes. The world is big. The crowds are huge. The generation out there doesn't know God and they are searching. They are searching. The guy at the train station was waiting. The person at the counter of the store is waiting. Do you have eyes to see? In Jesus' day, the population of the world was apparently 200, approximately 250 million people. Today, the world's population is approximately 8 billion people, and that grows by 80 million every year. And when a worldly man looks at a crowd, each person sees that crowd differently. An educator sees potential students. A politician sees potential voters. A merchant sees potential customers. Each person sees the crowd through the lens of what they can get from them. But Jesus never, ever exploited anyone for his own personal gain. He went to the people. He preached the gospel of good news to them. He healed people. He saw every person. He saw the need, the heartache, the struggle, the pain. He knew that the people were lost like sheep without a shepherd. And we need to lift our eyes, church. We need to lift our eyes and see as Jesus sees a harvest that is ready. A harvest that is ready. Do you have eyes to see today? Matthew 9:36 it said, when he saw them, he was moved with compassion. Not sympathy. Sympathy goes, "Oh wow, sucks for you." Not really even empathy. Empathy goes, "I feel your pain and I'm in this with you." But an empathy that moves you to compassion and compassion acts. Compassion acts. Compassion doesn't just feel, it does something about it. It says he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Do you have eyes to see? Do you have a heart to feel that the harvest is precious? The harvest is precious. This word compassion here in the Greek is the strongest word for pity that we can find in the Greek language because God's heart grieves for every single person who dies without a knowledge of Jesus Christ because they never knew how much God loved them. Do we have a heart to feel what God feels? Jesus looked at the harvest and it brought him to tears. It moved him beyond his own exhaustion and his own pain. 
you know, it should disturb us. It should disturb us. The desperate state of the world today should disturb us. Do you have a heart to feel the ache in humanity? A humanity who don't know freedom in Christ, the freedom that you know. That should disturb you. It should disturb me. It should break our hearts and move us to act. Your attitude determines your action. Your perspective determines your purpose. A pastor, Vance Havner, said this, the tragedy of our time is that the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. Are you desperate? Do you have a heart to feel what's happening in the generation? Each and every one of those eight million people are precious to the Father God. Every single one that we walk past, that we interact with, whether we know them or not. And what's required is a type of love that moves us to tears and moves us to action. From, sen from sentimental feeling to heartfelt action. There was a lawyer who came to Jesus in Matthew 22, and he asked him a question. He was actually testing Jesus. Jesus, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important commandment? And Jesus came back, Matthew 22, verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hangs every other law and command. Love God and love people. God's economy is relationship. Nothing else. God's economy is relationship. Love God and love people. If you do those two things, you're satisfying the heart of the Father. And you're reflecting Him into the generation. Compassion is the essential element for being a Christian. Compassion. When we feel and we act. It's the essential action. A heart to feel and an action that responds. Jesus believed that the harvest was so precious that he gave up his life for it. He hung on a cross for it. And in one act covered the multitudes, but that one act was done for every individual. Every single individual was precious to him, is precious to him. Oskar Schindler was a German industrialist and a member of the Nazi party who is credited for saving 1,200 Jews during the Holocaust by employing them in his enamel, enamelware and ammunitions factories across Poland and Moravia. In the 1993 film, Schindler's List, have you seen it? Give me a wave. In the 1993 Schindler's List, it reflects his life as an opportunist initially who was motivated by profit. He had factories and he was staffing the factories and he was an opportunist. But he came to show extraordinary initiative and tenacity and courage and dedication to save the lives of his Jewish employees. At the end of the war, the movie reflects and shows Schindler finding himself as a fugitive now being saved by the ones that he saved. 
he walks to his car with a crowd of Jewish friends and other people around. And he begins to cry as they present him with a gold ring made from gold fillings that had been melted down. And they present him with a list of all their names and explaining what he had done for each one of them. And this amazing statement, whoever saves one life saves the world entire. Whoever saves one life saves the world entire. Whoever sees one man in a train station and loves him and gets his phone number and invites him back to his home saves the world entire. And at the end of the movie, he's surrounded by all these friends and he looks at his car and he says, well, this car, it could have saved another 10. He looks at his gold watch. This could have been exchanged for one more. And he says to his friend, I could have done more. I'd beg to say we could all have done more. We need eyes to see, a heart to feel, and hands to help. Hands to help and know that the harvest is ripe, the harvest is precious, the harvest also needs to be a priority. It needs to be our priority. The harvest is ready. The thing about a harvest is if you don't harvest it in time, it spoils, it falls, and it dies. And so it's imperative for us to get into the field. It's imperative for us to go before it's too late. But do you know what I've realized is you and I will never have a sense of urgency until we realize that we're responsible for the harvest. We're responsible for the harvest. Our field, you and I have a field. Our friends, our families, our neighbors, our work colleagues, the shop attenders, anyone we come into contact with is our field. And we're responsible for it. In Luke 19, it's not on the screen, but I want to read it with you. Luke 19, verse 11 to 27, it talks about a king who gives 10 minas, which are coins, to his servants, and then he goes away on a journey. And it's the story of us and Jesus. Jesus trusts us with a coin. What is the coin? The coin of great price. Remember the woman who lost the coin and they went looking for it? He trusts us with a coin and he goes off on a journey and he becomes a king of a kingdom. And in the meantime, he's expecting his servants to do something with the coin, the coins that he's given, that he's trusted to them. And when he comes back, um, Luke 19, verse 16, he calls them back in and he asks them what they'd done with the coins. And verse 16, the first one came and said, Sir, the mina you gave me has earned 10 more. Listen, well done, my good servant, the master replied. Because you've been trustworthy in a small matter, take charge of 10 cities. 10 cities. The second one came back and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. The master answered, Take charge of five cities. And another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. 
I kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you don't put in and reap what you don't sow. And his master replied and said, I'll judge you according to your own words. If you think that I'm a hard man taking what I don't put in and reaping what I don't sow, then why didn't you put my money at least in deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? And he said to those standing by, take this man's mina away from him and give it to the man who has 10. Sir, they said, he's already got 10. And he replied, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. And what he's saying here is, I'm trusting you while I go. And in Matthew 28, he said, I'm going. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've taught you. I'll be with you always, but go and make disciples. We have to realize that our generation is our responsibility. Our generation is our field. Friend, your school is your field. Your university is your field. Your workplace is your field. And the master has given you Amina and he's gone off, but he's coming back. He's coming back and he's trusted you with that field. He's trusted you with that field to do something with it. The harvest has to be a priority. It has to be a priority and our perspective determines our purpose. What is the purpose that we wake up with every day? Is the purpose our career? Is it self? Is it gain? What is our purpose when we wake up on Monday morning? Our perspective determines that. Our attitude determines our actions, whether we're just rushing through everything that we do that we miss it, we don't even see the harvest. We're so busy because our attitude is focused on the wrong things that our actions miss it. We're so busy that we miss, that we miss it. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus is saying, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses, my witnesses, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You'll receive power to do this. Power to do this. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit of God. To see and feel and act. God, give me your heart. Let me see what you see. Let me hear what you hear. And let me move as though I'm your feet and I'm your hands and that I'm responsible for this field. Holy Spirit, empower me to be your witness. And it even gives us a pattern there. It tells us, start at home first. Start in your community, in your immediate network, in Jerusalem, then the city, then the nation, and then the nations of the world. Just start where you are and be my witness. We have been given the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses in the world in the earth. That's our field. My generation is my field. 
God, let me see them as you see them. Our job is not to ripen the harvest. That's God's job. Our job is to go to the ripe harvest, to unmistakably influence our world for self. No. To unmistakably influence our world for good and for God. Just one person at a time, one ripe fruit at a time, looking a person in the eye, exchanging phone numbers. It's not hard to do. Following up a person as though they're your responsibility because they are. Don't leave it up to someone else because the master's coming back and he's going to ask you what you did with your Mina. What did you do with the responsibility I left with you? Oh, but my friend, no, no, I'll talk to your friend and ask them as well. But I'm talking to you right now. What did you do with what I left in your care? We all have to answer that question. It has to be a priority for us. The Great Commission. God is not willing that any should perish. Like the lost sheep, we have to go and find it. The lost coin, we have to search it out, turn the house over looking for it. The banquet dinner, we go and we invite and we invite and we invite and we invite whoever will come. I want to tell you, it's not about the ones who say no. It's about the ones who say yes. And don't stop asking because one said no. Keep asking. Keep asking. That's okay. Ask the next one. Keep asking. It's about the ones who say yes. It's about the ripe fruit. And when they say yes, get their phone number. Get in their world. Bring them into your world. Take responsibility for them. It's not the pastor's job to make disciples only. Everybody is responsible. Everybody is responsible. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. And that's what I'm doing tonight. Praying that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well? Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.